We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Live from Studio 6B on a Monday night. Happy Halloween. I'm not exactly sure what's going on in the studio, but let me introduce uh, Slick Rick's going to do sports. Slick Rick, how are you? Big D, how are we doing tonight? Very good, very good. Now, um, Paul and Rick are supposed to be, Paul, you're supposed to be who now? Okay, I'm the dude, man. I guess this is part of the act. Okay. All right. Um, Rick Delgado, how are you? And who are you? Or, or you, you have a, you have a name? That's with the Jesus. Oh, okay. <laughs> Always religious okay. tonight. <laughs> wow. Going over well. Uh, all right. There you go. Um, do you have a name, Rick Delgado, that I could call you the rest of the night? Jesus Montana. Nobody messes okay. with the Jesus. All right, so I have the Jesus here, and I have uh, the dude. The dude Lebowski, man. The dude Lebowski. Okay, very good. The dude looks more like Jesus than the Jesus. <laughs> uh, that's a very yeah. funny little man in the booth. Very Jesus funny. Looks, Jesus looks like maybe the guy who was over at Pelosi's house. I don't know, but, but uh, <laughs> very good. Slick Rick, you're looking good in the orange tonight. Yeah, I had, a, I had a craziest suit tonight, but I figured I'll save it for another time. But this is no, it. <laughs> rocking this it. Looks good. Yep. Looks good. So what the uh, World Series is rained out? Is that the deal? That is correct. Yeah, just saw that a few minutes ago. Big day. Moving it to Tuesday night. Same start. Eight oh three due to uh, inclement weather. Moving up into the Northeast. All right. Very good. We'll do sports. We'll do a recap. I actually don't know what the recap on your. Um on your odds makers weekend was, but I guess we'll get that. We'll get to that when we get to sports. We've got a game tonight. Yes, we do. Monday night football, Cincinnati and Cleveland. We'll get to a pick on that game as well. I guess when we get to sports, yes. Uh, Rick Delgado. Well, there's no, what even is that tonight, but Rick's going to mime and do his Nancy Pelosi imitation as uh, Jesus tonight, I guess. Paul's going to have some news, lots to talk about. Glad you're in. I want to thank Ed Henry and Karen Turk for having me on this morning on American sunrise. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And uh, Ed tried to. Uh, gee, did you know? Uh, did you see my appearance on uh, American Sunrise this morning? I mean, you didn't tell me about it, so you know. No, I know I, I did. I didn't get up on time. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm <laughs> sure. If you knew about it, I'm sure you would have. Uh, so Ed tried to hit me with a. Um, well, I don't know. It's kind of like a setup deal. He asked me to come on, and then he hit me with this video of him hitting a tee shot, which he claims was a monster tee shot, and then. He did one of those magic editing things, and the ball all of a sudden flew and hit me in the eye, <laughs> which, which was actually actually pretty funny. But uh, well, if he's editing that, I wonder what else he's editing. Well, I don't know. Let me just say this though: see, the mistake he made was um, his video of him hitting the drive on the golf course told me a lot 
about Papa Nolan and I when we the Rav Open finally happens, whether it's January or whenever it happens, and I'll have to show Paul the swing on the video that I saw. Let me just say this: I am less concerned today than I was <laughs> any other previous day for the Rav Open. So I just broke ninety on my course. He's in trouble. Uh, yes, I would say that uh, they could be in. They could be in some in some trouble, even with us not playing as the cold weather comes in here to the Northeast. So while well, he's sitting down there in sunny Florida, and can play pretty much every day. So, um, all right, glad you're in on a Monday. Simulator. I'm going to install oh, a that. simulator. I'm going to stay on my game. No, oh, those are nice. Yeah, that, yeah those, are, those are, uh, those are, yeah, those are big bucks. 30 grand. It's not happening. Yeah. Paul's going to get two of them. <laughs> yeah. Get one for me, would you? Um, so there's a lot of places to start. I saw the San Francisco DA give an update on the Paul Pelosi. Uh, so once again, just thanks to Karen and Ed for having me on this morning. It was fun. We talked a little bit about the Paul Pelosi situation, and I saw the San Francisco DA give an update today on it. And as I tweeted, it didn't um, it didn't clear up a whole hell of a lot. Uh, I'll tell you that because there's basic there's just basic stuff that she still can't answer. We know now that this guy was illegal illegally in the country, uh, but they can't answer who answered the door, which seems um, odd. She can't really make much of the timing. And and today she kept using the term that this was an attempted murder of Nancy Pelosi's husband is the way she kept phrasing it. And just the details that she laid out before starting to use those phrases just don't really lend itself to um, to that being the conclusion. Because if that was the case, I mean, he could have done that in about five seconds, if he was there to do that. Um, if he was there to kidnap him, which I've also heard, or kidnap Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi, that is. The one thing I can't figure out is, from the details we've gotten, is, well, how is he, how, where was he, how is he going to get away from there? Right. Because he's homeless. And, and he doesn't no, own no, a car. Yeah, there's no transportation, and we don't, and we don't know how he got there right. from 17, 18 miles away, or whatever the hell. And, it is. I think he could take a bus. And he was covered in Paul Pelosi's bubble gum, some reason or another. But that's a. <laughs> 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 what the heck? <laughs> yes. No way, he's this whole thing is such a sham. But Mega Maga did it. All right, of course. Sure. Yes, it was all politically motivated, and um, the San Francisco's DA rhetoric today, if they finally found a violent criminal that they're happy to <laughs> ask for no bail and lock up, which is, um, which is a surprise in San Francisco, given that the, the DA before this DA was the one who was voted out because he had, well, zero policies on criminals, like none. Um, so it's just funny to hear her today. I don't know if anyone saw her press conference from me, but uh, she had very tough words, very tough words on this, on this deranged lunatic. And it was just, um, well, was it comical? Comical in that comical. they they don't talk about any other person in San Francisco that's been arrested for anything like this. She's worried about safety. She's worried about public safety. This has really um, put everybody on edge. This one, one, all the other crime, don't worry. Right. But this has put her 
every elected official and everybody else on edge <laughs> of in San Francisco. It, yep, it, it's just comical because the truth is getting out. They can't hide it anymore. Remember how it used to be? It used to take months for the real, real facts to come out on stuff. That's not happening anymore. That's because, and again, I attribute that to uh, to Donald Trump just calling BS on on all this fake news. Like, nope, didn't happen that way, and you know it. And now people are catching on, and they're saying, you know what, you're right. This doesn't sound right. There's too many questions, like you said. Who's the guy who answered the door? Hey, why were they both in their underwear? How come the police showed up with a doing a wellness check and not, I'm under threat of my life? Um, also, there are cameras all around that house. I took pictures. I was on, I was on Google Earth today, and I actually took pictures. I had nothing to do. I took pictures of Google Earth, and in some of the pictures, you see three security black suburbans parked around the house the house is blurred out but on certain angles you can zoom in and you can see the cameras that they have on all the corners leading up to the front door and i'm sure there's one by the front door but that was blocked by trees and none of this makes sense none of it makes sense so when you say the truth is coming out rick delgado who are you attributing the uh providing who's been providing the truth on this so far that you found well, I, I think uh, various media outlets who showed like, up where this guy supposedly lived and, wow, look at that. He lives in a collective community uh, Victorian house with BLM signs and gay pride flags and stuff like that. Yeah, His girlfriend is a, is a wacko leftist. Um, yeah, and, and just too many things do not add up. And I guess this guy... Ha- I, From what I understand, I don't know where I read it, and I wish I would have sent myself a link to it. I think this guy also has a record of, uh, you know, being involved in uh, pay for, uh, you know what? Solicitation. Solicitation. Good word. Mm. Hey, so let's listen. Let's listen to the DA. Cut zero, G. This is from her press conference about an hour and a half or so ago. Roll that. I am here today to formally announce charges against Mr. David DePap in connection with the violent attack on Mr. Pelosi. The charges that we are filing today include attempted murder, residential burglary, assault with a deadly weapon, elder abuse, false imprisonment of an elder, as well as threats to a public official and their family. These charges are based on the following facts many of which are contained in the federal affidavit that was filed today, as well as will be contained in the motion to detain Mr. DePap that we file tomorrow. Mr. DePap specifically targeted the Pelosi home to confront Speaker Pelosi. He forced his way into the home through a rear glass door by breaking that glass. The defendant made his way upstairs to the second floor of the home, locating Mr. Pelosi in his bed sleeping. He woke him up, confronting him about the whereabouts of Speaker Pelosi. Mr. Pelosi, who was sleeping, was wearing a loose-fitting pajama shirt and boxer shorts. He was forced to get out of bed, and at some point during that encounter, (laughs) Mr. Pelosi attempted to access the elevator in the home, which has a phone. The defendant then blocked Mr. Pelosi's access to that elevator. It was at some point after <laughs> she, that Mr. Pelosi you can tell asked the way she's looking to go around. to the bathroom, she believe this. which is where he was able to call 911 from his cell phone. 
Okay, so just stop it right there just the for defense. one second. Let's just, just stop. <laughs> Let's just stop it there into the story. So as she says later on, see, it's what she says later on that brings you back to this part at the, the beginning because later on she goes into this, uh, you know, this was an attempted murder of Pelosi. He was there to murder Pelosi's husband, not not kidnap him. He was there to he was there to murder Paul Pelosi and possibly kidnap Nancy Pelosi. Well, she just just she just described about nine minutes worth of time that he had these forty year old over the eighty two year old to do just that if he wanted to do it. So. He takes him out of bed, brings him downstairs. Pelosi says, hey, I want to take the elevator. He blocks him from going to the elevator, but then he says, okay, well, then let me go to the bathroom. And he lets him do that? <laughs> well, that, and that's telling because now we know Paul Pelosi's safe word is bathroom break. I mean, I mean, the whole thing right up to that moment is just <laughs> already makes no sense. Nothing I mean, makes Paul, sense. I mean, right. It makes no sense to you, obviously, right? I mean, it's, I mean, this whole timeline, the whole motive, nothing. I mean, look, when you listen to the mainstream media do their thing, you watch the controlled environment like this on such a high-profile political figure, right? We have a, an oligarch, right? I mean, is that fair to call them that? They're above the law. There's two sets of laws. Is that, is that fair to say? The Pelosi's have a different set of laws than we do? Uh, yeah, that's fair. You know, and, and now they have access to the FBI and, and intelligence agencies and all kinds of media outlets who champion everything they say. They're going to control this narrative from top to bottom. I mean, now that the DA's got this DA, we're going to trust this DA to to leak whatever info is supposed to come out in little trickles. And to me, the whole thing's going to stink from here to high. All right, more on this sports news. Lots to do on a Monday. Glad you're in on the Halloween. with Game Pass. All right, live from Studio 6B on a Monday. Glad you're in. Happy Halloween, everybody. Uh, good to see the Getter chat all fired up. Good to see everybody in there. Uh, lots to get to. We'll talk more about this Pelosi and the San Francisco DA today who really did nothing to help clear anything up. Uh, we'll get to some other things. We'll get to the election, obviously, a week from tomorrow. Man, it's just it's eight days away. And everything's on the line. We'll talk about that. Uh, we'll do some sports. But let's start tonight. We'll do some news. And here with the news is the dude, <laughs> otherwise known as Paul Nolan. What's going on, Mr. Nolan? Well, it was, uh, there's uh, you know, quite a bit. I mean, I wanted to touch. We, you know, I had my first story I was going to do was about Paul Pelosi. We kind of covered it. We don't want to beat this one to death until we get more. Uh, <laughs> you see what I did? Um, anyway, uh 
Yeah, I thought this was interesting. The The author of the 1619 Project charged the public library 40 k for a speech, causing it to go over budget. Um, it's good business if you can get it. Uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones, the former New York Times journalist, was paid 40000 for a 45-minute speech in Arlington, Virginia, just a few miles away from Howard University. Her speech was part of a three-hour program held by the Arlington Public Library. Uh, the fee... Uh, paid to Hannah Jones, uh, created some tension between Friends of the Library, which raises money to fund events such as this, and the library itself. Uh, it caused the library to exceed its budget by 7500 She also added a clause to the agreement that there would be no recording of her speech with a $100,000 penalty if it were violated. So this um, incredible person, this benevolent, wonderful woman is, uh, you know, Gonna, she's going to milk this uh, charade of, of, of we're all racist, you know, for every dollar she can. So I thought that was who, I th- thought that was, who was interesting. The, who was the library that hired her to come speak? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, fire that what? person instantly. The story I mean, goes on what? and says that the, the town is disgusted by it. Uh, so just bands, a regular regular town library. Yeah. In Chicago or someplace where Arlington, I mean, Virginia, Arlington, Virginia. Yeah, and they and that's the best they can. The, who can we have come speak? Why don't we get Hannah? Why don't we get the sixteen nineteen project girl, Hannah Jones? Okay. I mean, who's who's making that decision? I mean, it's just insanity. I don't know. It's just crazy to me. So I don't know if you saw this, but uh, cell phone bans in public schools are trending nationwide. Schools across the country continue to struggle with devices uh, more than 15 years after the release of the first iPhone. So uh, last week, the Philadelphia Board of, Ed- of Education approved a contract of up to $5 million with the, with a company that makes locking phone pouches that allow educators to make classrooms phone-free. Uh, the decision uh, that... Uh, and the years between uh, highlight and the ongoing debate about the proper place for cell phones in schools in this digital era. Schools across the country continue to struggle with the devices more than 15 years after the release of the first iPhone. Concerns about distractions in class, fights in hallways, and other behavior issues that prompted bans in some schools, along with a statewide uh, legislation to address the issues. Hopewell City uh, Public Schools, which serves about 4,000 students in Virginia, started using locking phones uh, Lucky phone pouches this fall after years of trying to curtail the use. I'm curious how the audience thinks on this one. If we can get some feedback in the chat, you know, sometimes these phones are good when you catch a leftist going bonkers, right? You hear maybe some bully overstepping his boundaries so when a kid just simply can't protect themselves. So sometimes these phones, right, they have a Right, Rick. They have yeah, a, I mean, a nice benefit. We, we've seen a lot of instances where these kids have, uh, you know, popped on their 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 recorders and you know recorded the teachers saying things and and doing things and trying to teach things or force feed things so in a way i mean it it serves a purpose you know because if if some teachers trying to indoctrinate kids into things that their parents don't want them uh, you know around don't want them to talk about uh, it's good to get get it caught but i understand i also understand the other side where the kids are going to be you know oh me i'm taking a picture or or i you know i'm looking at something when i should be paying attention in class so yeah 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 but how how about i mean i was in the classroom with high school kids for for 14 years how about how about have control of your classroom and set the rules and make make them follow the damn rules how about that yeah what's wrong with that why can't a teacher be a disciplinarian and just say look and i had i had 95 kids at a time by the way 
when I was teaching music, I had choir. I had 95 kids in the room at the same time. I always used to lap these these subject teachers who I all, you know, they were all fine. They'd have 12 kids in the class and they would go to the principal. Oh, I can't handle it. <laughs> I, got, I got 95. I handled it just fine. You know why? Because the kids knew what the rules were and they knew they weren't going to play games with me. Yeah, and I think being 6'5 helps. Yeah, that didn't well, yeah, it, it <laughs> Yes, it did. Yes, by the way, it did. Yeah. It did help. Threatening their life uh, didn't hurt either if I had to. But, I mean, they knew to come in there. They knew what the rules. They knew what they were going to get away with and what they weren't going to get away with. And you set the tone. So, I mean, I, I don't know. He set the tone on the first day by body slamming the first kid through the door. All right, uh, let's have a good year. Who's the toughest <laughs> SOB Who's up next? in here? Something you, like that. You beat up the first, the biggest kid in the class every year? Oh, well, no, like, I didn't like, beat like him a up prison all. Thing? <laughs> Just a little intimidation to know who the boss was. That's all. So, you know, like you said, 6'5", towering over them didn't help. First kid I mean, who opens hurt. his mouth out of line, out the fire exit. Just throw him out. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. So, all right, let's do, we'll do some more news. Anything let's do higher some than sports. the floor would be uncivilized. Yeah. Yeah. That At would least be he Russia. had an X. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, and here with that is Slick Rick. Rick Emirati. What's going on, pal? All right, Big D. Eyes on Heaven said, I look like Orange Man 2. I like that over on Getter. Good one. And uh, let's get right to it. Uh, we oh, we got to make our pick real quick. Cleveland at. Uh, Cincinnati at Cleveland, excuse me. Uh, that's what, first energy stadium in Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> yep, yeah, well, I got hurt this weekend, too. <laughs> I got hurt a little. But, hey, we got a big one tonight, Big D. It's already underway. I do not know the score, but I am going to be like the rest of the world. I'm going with Cincinnati and laying the three. I know you like Cleveland, so you got your wish. There you Still go. Zero, okay. zero. Okay, Gio just gave you the update. It. Zip, zip. Okay, no score. Thank you. All right, what is that for, 40? No way. No way. I'm not going 40. I'll go. I'll lay five tonight. I want to get my five back from the weekend, and we'll get into that right, right now. Let's go. Okay. NCAA Week 9. Georgia flips Florida 42-20. to 20. Uh, That game cost me because Georgia didn't cover. And uh, Tennessee, number two Tennessee now, 44-6 to six over Kentucky. What a clobbering. And they're tied. What is this, rodeo? With number two Ohio State now, 44-31 to 31 over Penn State. Unbelievable. Number four Michigan, Malls, Michigan State, 29-7. to seven. I also have a, a story about uh, some charges being pressed about that tunnel fight that happened at that game really out of hand. And number eight, Oregon, looking good, 42-24 over California. Number seven, TCU, the Horned Frogs over West Virginia, Mountain Mama, 41-31. to Number nine, USC, holds off Arizona, 45-37. And UCLA slapped Stanford, 38-13. That was the one game I actually was able to win on Saturday. And, uh, well, NFL action, Eagles continue their dominance, 35-13 over the Steelers. Philly is now 7-0, and and I believe four of the last ten games, the team are under 500, so they look like they're going to be have a hell of a season. And AJ Brown with three touchdowns, and today he gets a drug test from the NFL. So they're looking into what's going on there, which I think is crazy, but we'll see. Uh, the Titans top the Texans 17 to 10. Derek, no relations to Ed Henry, 219 yards and two touchdowns. He was looking real good, Derek Henry. <laughs> and the Commanders clipped the Colts 17 16. Niners roll the Rams.
Rams 31-14 in SoFi Stadium. Christian McCaffrey, 94 yards rushing, and he had a 1-plus-1-plus-1. McCaffrey had a catch, reception, and pass for touchdown. Very rare. Hasn't been done since 2008, so good for the uh, Niners. Good pick up there. Seahawks 27-13 over the football New York football Giants, who uh, actually came down to reality. And the Bills hold off the Packers 27-17. Sunday night football, Pack fall to 3-5. and five. Buffalo is the toast of the AFC right now, sitting at 6-1 as the top team in the AFC division. And, of course, the Eagles' uh, top team in the NFC at 7-0. and I'll get to the rest of the scores. Don't worry. I got the Broncos, Falcons, Cowboys, Dolphins, Vikings, Saints, and Patriots. Next segment, I'll give you the rundown on those games. That's a wrap, Big D. Back to you. All right, Slick Rick, thanks very much. Sports is brought to you by Mike Lindell and MyPillow, MyPillow.com slash LFS6B. Use our code LFS6B at checkout for 10 to 60% off. Great stuff. Lindell just uh, extended his guarantee. If you buy anything now to the end of the year, you'll get not only the 60 days you normally get, but now you'll get till March of 2023. To, uh, anything you don't like, or you can return. So, All right, live from Studio 6B on a Monday. More to do. We're back right after this. from Studio 6B on a Monday night. Happy Halloween, everybody. Uh, lots to do. I want to get back to um, the San Francisco DA because I do want to get to the part where she outlines how worried she is about crime. I hope she um, this newfound, uh, newfound attention she's paying to bail and crime and all that, I hope that sticks, maybe rubs off on some of the other DAs in liberal Democrat-run <laughs> cities because she's got... Um, she has a newfound, uh, well, she's just rattled here by this, seemingly. So let's pick it up where we left off, G, so we can hear this. Roll that. Realizing that Mr. Pelosi had called 911, took Mr. Pelosi downstairs near the front door of the residence. <laughs> yeah, of course he did. <laughs> Stop. Sure. Two police officers arrived at the front door two minutes after that 911 call. <laughs> yeah. When that door was opened, the defendant was holding his hammer which okay, Mr. No, Pelosi, just, right? If she just, says, I gotta, I gotta, the dramatic effect. I just oh. gotta stop it for a second. I, I mean, just listen to what she's laying out here. It's amazing <laughs> that they let her go with this. And they said, yeah, yeah, go try to sell this. He's there to kill him. Maybe he's there <laughs> right. to kidnap her. I mean, she's the Speaker of the House in the middle of election season. What would make this guy think he's, he's there is that's a whole nother conversation that she's actually gonna be in San Francisco. Um, he has no transportation. It was widely it, known she was in D.C. at the time, though, right? Right. So if this guy I mean, had access to a newspaper or the Internet, he would have known this when he cleverly broke into that fortress? I mean, exactly. You you could just walk up to the Pelosi's house, break the glass, by the way. I heard some guy in Fox say, no, no, you know, it's not it's not weird at all that the glass was on the outside, outside. of the house and not, and not on the inside because <laughs> – he says, no, no, the FBI guy says that's not really that strange because there was scratch that was on these windows to make them harder to break. So it's not it's not it's not that uh, it's not that weird to him that all the glass was on the outside, not the inside. So oh, okay. he takes him out of bed. He's supposedly there to kill him, doesn't kill him. 
doesn't let him go to the elevator, lets him go to the bathroom, in which he calls the cops. Then when the guy realizes he called the cops, takes him downstairs to the front door, where it just so happens that the police have just shown up and the two of them are there. And it's like they look and they see them and they're not sure which one of them lets the cops in, she now, says. Supposedly, wasn't there also on the on the first report mm-hmm. that a, a third person let right. them in? Yes. Uh, an now, un- they're, no- now they're retracting, retracting. Yeah, that that's part. out. The third person thing is out. So so it's now it was who just says the two out, of them. Though? Well, she does later on in the questioning. But uh, we already know that initially that was in the, you know, the police stated that someone let them in. And that's when they saw these two standing there in their underwear holding a hammer. So what right. they're trying to say now is, well, they were both holding the hammer and then they walked over to the door so one somebody could unlock let, it. Now, when yes, you say one hammer, of them let them in. One of them let them in, yes. Right. While they were both holding the hammer. Correct. That's what, okay. basically that what makes she sense. says here. <laughs> yep. Go ahead, G. Continue. Appears it's to be so attempting jokes. to control by holding a portion of that hammer. Huh. The defendant then pulled the hammer away from Mr. Pelosi and violently struck him in the top of his head. Just as they got there. The police then <laughs> immediately apprehended <laughs> Did I just the defendant. That? What we also have learned is that the defendant brought to the location of the Pelosi residence a second hammer, as well as zip ties, rope, and a roll of tape. And a Trump flag. What is clear based on the evidence that we have thus far is that this house and the speaker herself were specifically targets of the defendant. Mm -hmm. As for next steps, the defendant is expected to be arraigned tomorrow afternoon. My office will be filing a motion to detain him without bail. And that is based on we can't what have is talking obvious to and severe public safety risks okay, that the Jay, defendant that's an, poses. Okay, oh, look, listen to this. So now, well, we, no bail because clearly of the public. Now, think about the crime in San Francisco. Think about the crime that's been in San Francisco and think about how many criminals <laughs> really pose real threat to the public who have come in the front door and out the back door probably <laughs> in the same same hour. Think about that. And here she is with this situation. Oh, no, no, no bail. This is a real threat here. We, we'll, we have to control the narrative completely. <laughs> There's no bail. In fact, this guy's going into solitary confinement. Yes. <laughs> Go ahead. To San Francisco, as well as the outer community. Mm. Violence has no place in this city, and we will work vigorously to hold the defendant accountable. Okay. You guys are awesome in violence. One last thing that I want to say today is that as leaders and as citizens, it is incumbent upon us all to watch the words that we say and to turn down the volume of our political rhetoric. Okay. We should be able to all engage in passionate political discourse, but still remain respectful of one another. Mm -hmm. Violence certainly has no place in San Francisco or (laughs) in politics. It's just the crazy town. Okay, okay, so so there's so much to deconstruct. Go ahead. I mean, first things first, I want everybody to know that you gotta be careful about what you say. You can say anything you want as long as you're careful. And you don't say anything that upsets us. 
You're lying to me. And I have to sit here and be respectful while you're lying to me. Nobody wants to be lied to. We're all sick of it. So we're supposed to sit back and be passive and say, oh, golly, uh, maybe you could tell the truth. <laughs> you know, now, it, if it's nonsense. If you're lying for three years that the, um, that the president is a Russian asset, that's okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. If you're lying about, um, if it's a Supreme Court justice, last name Kavanaugh, no well, that's meant, it's mental illness, no problem. Don't worry about that. If it's a possible soon-to-be Republican governor out of Florida that a guy shows up to stab him at a, at a rally event, uh, that's mental illness. Don't, don't worry. It's not, it's not Democrats. It's not talk. It's not, it's not, it's right. not it's the, the way we not, talk about our politics. It's not mega liberal, right? right? It's, not, it's, it's that monster Marxist when Rand Paul illness. is beaten down. Right, right. If it's Rand Paul, right? It's right. It's mental ill. It's it's mental illness of the other guy. It's not. It's not. It's it's politics. If Steve Scalise takes a bullet, right? Yeah, yeah. He had it coming. If you're, if you're the lunatic who shows up at Pelosi's house, it's because of right wing Trump flag waving white uh, supremacist uh, Republicans. Yeah, Meshuggah the MAGA did it. Right. Okay. <laughs> It's so great. then she took some then she took some questions and the only one that's worth really listening to is the first one maybe there was one other cut one g roll that who opened the door uh, for the police officers and uh, one question my second question is how many times he was struck one time with the hammer not twice so at this time it's unclear which of the men opened the door and uh <laughs> no, so, we are okay, also so still flesh <laughs> how, how is how what, where is the where's how? the video surveillance from the home Right. Where's the video surveillance? She's definitely has to have seen it if there where's is. Where's the body so she, cam footage? Yeah, where's the body cam footage? Okay, where's right. that? Supposedly, they were. She, sold, she told us earlier that two of them were standing. He took them down by the front door where the police were able to be let in by one of them, supposedly. Politely not. But they don't, and, but and, they don't know yeah. which one it was. Go maybe, ahead. Maybe they're both covered in whipped cream and they couldn't identify them. <laughs> Go ahead. Out how many times he was struck in the head? Gabriel Bachelor, Mercury News. Um, I'm wondering how a, an individual was able to access the home of someone so prominent. Was there any security in place there? How was he able to open the door of this uh, uh, home? What I can tell you is that uh, there was no security present, and that he was able to break the window to a glass door to gain entry into the home. Did this defendant have any prior, sorry, have any prior contact with law enforcement, any prior arrests, any sort of record? All right, the um, rest of, of this, Jay, it's fine. The rest of it's, the rest of it's just nonsense. Then the, po the police captain there gets asked a few questions, and he says how it shook up everybody is. This is, this is really <laughs> shook everybody up. Very, it's very shaken. They do and ask she, about the body cams. I don't know how much further it is in there, but she says that it'll only come out if it's used in the court case. Yeah. Um, My question is, what about the 911 call? We always hear 911 calls released to the media. Where's this one? The one where he says it's a friend named David. He didn't say, by the way, he's here to kill me. Please send help. <laughs> Um, and they went for a wellness check, and they politely knocked at the door. Now, if, if they thought he was really under duress, where, oh, my goodness, this guy could get killed, why wouldn't they just bash the door in? Why weren't so guns drawn? 
Have you heard it, Rick? Who's heard it? Or where did you get somebody who heard it to know that he said my friend David? Uh, that's that been transcript in, yeah that's been day. in all the uh a lot of the reporting and then even one of the guys from cnn who quote so somebody unquote, heard it who quote unquote heard the call um made reference to it and he said so and so and then you can hear him say this and then you you know you hear him whisper that it's like well obviously at, at, meanwhile this guy didn't actually hear the call the guy from cnn he talked to somebody who heard the call? So you're getting you're getting almost the uh, the, the Alexander Vindman version of the uh, the phone call. You know. So do, do you know who heard it? Maybe someone in the Get It Check and PM it to me. I'll happily if you have it, but you know, PM it to me uh, and I'll try. I'll listen to it at the break. No, like I said, the 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 guy who's describing he he had details from the call. You could tell when he's describing it. He didn't actually hear the call, that he's just giving you details from what he heard from the person who actually he talked to that heard and the that call. And was was that person someone other than law Pro- enforcement? It was probably law enforcement. I did hear one recording of the um, 911 operator transmitting a message to the police officer saying that uh, something to that effect. I, at the break, I'll try to find it. All right, so they, uh, again, there was nothing else in that Q&A that was worth saying. But, I mean, uh, you know, uh, whether we ever find out what's going on here, who knows? None of us were there in the house. But uh, clearly, this is not um, what, we, what we were told last week, and they haven't done much to clean it up. Right. If anything, they've made it worse. So I mean, going up to- here's, the basic, here's the basic rule of thumb. The easiest explanation is usually the right one. And all these hoops they're saying that you have to jump through – to believe that he was able to get into the house, get Paul Pelosi to come downstairs, avoid him getting into the uh, into the elevator. But hey, I need a bathroom break before we go ahead with this killing. And the guy says, "Sure, go ahead." Yeah. And then is there, I guess, monitoring the call? So if he's afraid, of the, if he's trying to kill this guy, why would he let him make a call? She, she says that she says once he realized that he called nine one one, as if it was like like he didn't realize. She like says later in this was. press conference. Yeah, yeah like, dispatcher like, said something to the effect of his name's David, and he and he said he's a friend. The RS, I believe it was. Um, so uh, I'll find it at the break. But it's this is all BS. Yeah, it's too many hoops to Look, jump through to get to their yeah. to their truth. I think we all yeah. know what happened. We can't say what happened, but we all know what happened. Um, and it's a cover up because it's just terrible press. I mean the the idea that she pushes this, you know, people are mad at three days of conspiracies over Paul Pelosi trying to figure out what was going on, but we're okay with three years of uh, the Russian the Russian president has taken over our government is quite laughable. All right, more news, sports, all coming up live from Studio 6B on a Monday. This one, friend, what's a little, um, 
Phantom of the Opera, Halloween version. Live from Studio 6B on a Monday. I've got uh, the dude and who are you again, Delgado? Jace, uh, Jesus. 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 mess with Jesus. You mess with okay. Jesus, he'll take his gun and shoot till it go click. Click. Okay. And Slick Rick's looking very orange tonight. Looking good. What's the hat? Purple? I yeah, can't really purple. tell from here. Purple. Okay, baby. very good. Yep. Looking good. Happy Halloween. Hope you're having a good and safe night. Let's do some sports. Speaking of Slick Rick, sports is brought to you by our friend Mike Lindell, mypillow.com slash LFS6B. Not the one that's currently on behind me right now. Uh, use LFS6B. What's going on, Slick Rick? All right. Update from Cleveland. No score out. Just about the end of the first quarter right now. Cincinnati has the ball at midfield, but nobody has uh, pierced the goal line or through the goalpost yet. So we'll keep an eye on that. First quarter almost in the books. And just wrapping up those NFL scores from uh, week eight. Broncos defeated the Jaguars across the pond there in London. 21-17. The Jags, Trevor Lawrence, two picks too many. And that was it. Falcons 37-34 in OT over the Panthers. That was a crazy ending in that game. Uh, a young man took his helmet off, got penalized. They missed the extra point. Next thing you know, they're in overtime. What a crazy game. Uh, Cowboys, 49-29 over the Bears. Dallas's Tony Pollard, three touchdowns, 131 yards on only 14 carries, 9.4 yards per carry. Good good numbers there. Dolphins squeezed by the Lions, 31-27. Boy, the spread on that was three and a half big D, and I took the Dolphins. I made it by a half point. And Vikings, now 6-1, and one, looking good. Quietly taking it. I think you were with- down 21-3 in that game, by the way. Too, so you had no business even probably winning it. So it was a monster comeback. Uh, and Detroit, uh, Detroit fired the defensive coordinator today. They said enough of this. Yeah, uh, wow, unbelievable. And uh, Vikings are now six and one. They won thirty four twenty six. Good game over the Cardinals. Saints ripped the Raiders, and the Raiders uh, of the la- of, it's more like the Raiders of the lost season because they're just about finished. And uh, it was twenty four to zippity doo that game. And Patriots twenty two seventeen over the New York Jets. Jets brought back down to reality. Now five and three. Pat's back on the winning road, so looking good. And big fight Saturday night, Big D. I don't know if you caught it. Jake Paul drops Anderson Silva in win, then calls out Nate Diaz. This is from Mark Raymonde of ESPN. Glendale, Arizona. Jake Paul's inexplicable boxing resume now includes a win over one of the greatest MMA fighters of all time. Paul, the YouTube star turned prize fighter, beat former longtime UFC middleweight champion Anderson Silva by unanimous decision, 77-74. 78-73 and 78-73 Saturday night at Desert Diamond Arena. The bout was very competitive, but Paul pulled away late and sealed the victory by dropping Silva in the eighth round with a right hand. Paul described beating Silva. Someone he has been a big fan of as a kid is surreal. He was my idol growing up, Paul said. He inspired me to be great. This was the toughest matchup so far for Paul, the 25-year-old social media maven. Silva, of course, is 47 years old, but he had a solid boxing performance, including a win over a former world champion, Julio Cesar Chavez his junior after leaving the UFC in 2020. Paul is now 6-0, and Big D, and he's looking for another big card, so he continues to go along. I think eventually when he gets up to the higher competition, I, I think at that point they'll set the record straight with him. I don't see this kid you know, becoming the next Floyd Mayweather, that's for sure. But that's my own opinion. And uh, real quick, Seamus Powell I think, wins. I think that's a pretty safe opinion. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, pretty safe. Put it in the bank. Uh, and uh, one last thing. Seamus Powell wins PGA Tours Butterfield Bermuda Championship, AP Southampton Bermuda. Beautiful Southampton Bermuda, by the way. Seamus Powell did enough right and left all the mistakes to PGA Tour rookie Ben Griffin on Sunday to win the Butterfield Bermuda Championship for his second tour title. Powell took the lead for good with a 25-foot birdie putt at the 14th. A bogey on the final hole gave the Irishman a 
one under 70 and a one-shot victory over Thomas Dietrich, who earlier had hold a bunker shot on the 18th for birdie and a 67. So PGA in the books. I'll have the live tournament final coming up later on, Big D in sports, and we'll get to that Michigan-Michigan State, that little bit of that uh, scuffle they had, so to speak, in the tunnel, and now there's charges coming out of that. And that's a wrap in sports. All right, Slick Rick, thanks very much. We'll do some more sports in hour two coming up. Uh, what's coming up? Uh, what's going on in the news, Paul Nolan? You know, friend of the show, uh, Catherine Engelbrecht and Greg Phillips are arrested and put in jail today. Um, it's been uh, reported that this morning that both of them have been arrested and put in jail by order of the judge in their case. The issue is that Engelbrecht and Phillips are refusing to reveal their confidential source who led them to the Chinese server where Connick put their U.S. election data. Ivory Hecker from uh, Twitter, she uh, she reported this. Uh, she went on to say, uh, Judge Hoyt orders that Engelbrecht and Phillips be held in custody for a day or more until they bring forth information they are withholding. Judge says he never got a straight answer on who in the Dallas, who's in the Dallas hotel room January uh, 2021 and doesn't know how many people were there. Judge says the way Phillips and Engelbrecht talk suggested true the vote did have access to hacks, hacked computer data, though they deny it. Um, so, uh, maybe we should spread this story. This is pretty crazy that these, uh, people are being uh, detained. So, yeah, I saw, I saw this, I saw this story. Yeah. And, that, and that's what, not, I didn't really know it, this story, but so the judge basically wants to know who their source is and they didn't give up the source and the judge had them basically not held in contempt, but basically held and had them arrested and thrown in jail till they give up their source to the judge. Yes. Yep. Pretty much. For the most part. Yeah. It's gulag style operation again. I mean, we're not. I mean, yeah. Even though they're working with the FBI, and they've given that information to the FBI, he wants it from them, and it's. I don't believe they're on, on under any obligation to reveal that source. So now, of course, like Paul says, the gulag style. Let's throw them in jail because that's what we can do until we get what we want. I mean, don't we go out of our way in this country to protect sources and methods? I mean, what? what uh, yeah, I mean, I'm glad you reported on this because I, I glanced at it and I thought, oh, there's got to be something here that I don't, I'm not up on. I'm not up on every single thing going on. And I read it and I'm thinking to myself, had him arrested because he wants to know who was in the hotel room with him? Yeah, it, it basically because of the uh, the Connick CEO Eugene Yu, who was arrested earlier this month in Michigan. This this part I'm reading here is coming from just the news, um, and the alleged stolen data belonged to poll workers and was the subject of the True True the Votes pit, which happened in August in Arizona, where Engelbrecht and Phillips singled out the company and of course revealed the crime that was going on, and now the uh, well the judge decided. That's not good enough. I, w I want the information. So what are they charged with? They're charged with contempt of court until contempt, they reveal yeah. the source. I mean, now keep in mind, like, think about how sensitive this is. I mean, this is the kind of thing that, you know, has so much, you know, weight when you think about how much nonsense we've heard about with elections. Now, here we are, like, you can't trust the FBI with this. You just can't, which is horrifying to say. But you can't tr trust the upper, you know, echelon of the FBI or the CIA. They're, you know, they're going to do everything in their power to control this narrative as well. And you know, you know, it's it's really sickening to me, to be honest with you. It's one of those things that ticks me off. But these people, you know, they, they need they need to be protected here. I mean, this is 
mean, this has to. There needs to be, you know, somebody who's going to expose the, you know, the people who keep manipulating these things, like well, the FBI. It's I mean. it's not even that. It's like, look, you you're exposing a crime. You shouldn't have. You shouldn't get in trouble for helping expose a crime. You're you're doing the job that the FBI should be doing. And that law enforcement should be doing. And Philip said uh, prior to going to jail, he said doing the right thing isn't always easy, but it's always right. We were held in contempt of court because we refused to burn a confidential informant or our researchers. We go to jail Monday unless we comply. And of course, today was Monday. And the next uh, next break, I have another story about the Department of Homeland Security is quietly broadening its efforts to curb speech. It it considers dangerous. That's That's my intercept. uh... That's my lead story of hour two from The Intercept called Truth Cops. Yeah. And it, and it may be, um, this story is unbelievable. Dropped today in The Intercept, uh, and it's written by two people, Ken Klipstenstein and Lee Fang. And um, it, is, it is very in-depth, and I'll get into it when we get back. Two live from Studio 6B on a Monday night. Paul Nolan's here with the news. Rick Camerati's doing sports. Rick Delgado's here. Geo Fran holding it down as always. John Cardillo, who, uh, former New York police detective, and um, was on with Steve Bannon today. <laughs> he just he tweeted, until you show me ironclad proof, including... San Francisco Police Department body cam footage and other surveillance footage that Paul Pelosi was the innocent victim of a random attack. I'm still going with the overwhelming evidence that says it was a gay orgy gone wrong, (laughs) and this is all a massive cover-up. So there you go. There you go. And we're allowed to say that? And it's not hard to, uh, it's clearly not hard to get to that, um, to get to that same answer, if you've looked at so far what we know, and they're not helping themselves, I don't think, you know, D, by doing what they did today. You know how I feel about it, D? Like, I don't care what two consenting adults do in the privacy of their home. I can care less, none of my business. I don't care. The fact that they have to turn it into this mega maga that every yeah. white person in America who just wants to be left alone in their constitutional rights is sick and tired of the trampling of, of, of their rights, the infringement on their rights, the, the, the endless amount of taxation, the inflation, the re- relentless assault on our senses of BS constantly, and they're going to spin their nonsense as ultra-maga. I care now. And that's really, this is the problem. They drag us into these fights that we don't want to be part of. You, you want to be an animal? Go be an animal. Keep us out of it. You know, it's just, enough's enough. That's the yeah. problem here. And, and not only that, by, by, 
you know, basically this is a wrap up smear. This is a wrap up smear. You know, let's let's wrap up the MAGA crowd. Let's blame them. Uh, so basically what they're doing is they're taking this, whatever it was, well, I think we know what it was, but they're going to politicize it and they're going to blame more than half the country for it. Now you've made it, now instead of it being a personal issue, now you're going to make it a public issue. So, okay, you want to go public? Believe me, the left camp meme. If you've been on Twitter, if you've been on Getter, if you've been, if you've been on Truth Social, the left cannot meme. We are owning this story. We are killing it. And it just gets better and better because the more they try and lie, the more the hoops that they try and get us to jump through, everybody's, you know, everybody's belief just goes, yeah, I don't believe that. Yeah, even the people on the left are starting to, you know, even they don't believe it. I know. I mean, if Pelosi would have just said, look, Nancy's out of town. I feel like getting hammered. You know, we would all be like, okay, no problem. Let's move on with it. Let's move on with our lives. We don't care. Go away. Don't care. He did it over the summer, right? He got into a car accident after it. And there was reports, if you remember, there was another person in that car, and that just disappeared. That disappeared. No body cam footage from that. Right, because, you know. All right, let's get to the intercept. This is the um, really a much bigger story that dropped today. Um, this is called Truth Cops. Leaked documents outline DHS's plans to police disinformation. This is, this is very in-depth, very long. There's no way for me to give you all of it, but it is a stunning story. Uh, this is written by Ken Klippenstein and Lee Fang. And, um, Basically, from the author's words, to sum it up, Facebook and Twitter created special portals for the government to rapidly request takedowns of content. The portals, along with NGO partners, used to censor a wide range of content, including obvious parody accounts and content disagreeing with government pandemic policy. The emails and documents show close collaboration between DHS and private sector. Twitter's Vijaya Gotti, fired by Elon Musk last week, met monthly with DHS to discuss censorship uh, censorship plans. Microsoft exec texted DHS platforms have got to get comfortable with government. How does DHS justify its evolving mission from countering foreign terror groups to policing domestic, quote-unquote, disinfo on social media. Leaked planning docs show the agency argues false information is a source of radicalization and violence. Earlier this year, DHS launched a widely panned disinfo governance board, which it later shuttered following criticism. But the same agenda lives on with DHS sub-agency, CISA, which argues disinfo is a threat to American critical infrastructure. And so specifically from the, argue, uh, from the article, they say the Department of Homeland Security is quietly broadening its efforts to curb free speech that it considers dangerous. An investigation by The Intercept has now found years of internal DHS memos, emails, and documents obtained via leaks and an ongoing lawsuit, as well as public documents, illustrate an expansive effort by the agency to influence tech platforms. It's, it's all very interesting given the timing, obviously, of Elon Musk 
what is going on with Twitter. And if you've been following Mr. Musk on Twitter already, it's very interesting to see live from somebody who's got, you know, one of the bigger followings of any person on social media, live pushback to people like the New York Times, the Washington Post, the mainstream media from Mr. Musk on things that they're already claiming uh, about his ownership of Twitter and things he's done since he took over. And it is very interesting to see the left kind of lose their mind over the fact that they've lost this arm of the wing of their party here, of Twitter, and to really control the um, the town square of, 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 of what they consider acceptable speech. So this article dropping today really just puts the exclamation point on what a lot of us already knew, but maybe not to the depth of of. of of the of real again, they love the word collusion when it comes to republic. This is real collusion, like real, real collusion. The work, much of which remains unknown to the American public, came into clearer view earlier this year when DHS announced this new disinformation governance board, a panel designed to police misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation. Uh, that allegedly threatens U.S. interests. While the board was widely ridiculed, immediately scaled back and then shut down within a few months, other initiatives are underway as DHS pivots to monitoring social media now that its original mandate, the war on terror, has been wound down. I'll tell you the other thing this article does is make you wonder if that whole disinformation board bringing it out to the public was just one big show with the idea to... um, do a little sleight of hand here and take your mind off of the fact. Okay, it's it's all it's all uh, disbarred now. It's all disbanded. Dumb idea. We'll chalk it up to stupid idea and yep. let's move yep. on. Don't you think about this again? Don't yep. you worry about yeah. it? Yeah, and then it gets buried in another agency. Yep. Behind closed doors Relabled. and through pressure on private platforms, the U.S. government <laughs> has used its power to try and shape online discourse. According to meeting minutes and other records appended to the lawsuit filed by Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt, a Republican who's also running for the Senate, discussions have ranged from the scale and scope of government intervention in online discourse to the mechanics of streamlining takedown requests for false or intentionally misleading information. Platforms have got to get comfortable with government, quote unquote. It's really interesting how hesitant they remain, Microsoft executive Matt Masterson said a former DHS official who texted Jen Easterly, a DHS director, in February. In a March meeting, Laura uh, Demhole, a FBI official, warned that the threat of subversion information on social media could undermine support for the U.S. government. According to notes of the discussion attended by senior executives from Twitter and J.P. Morgan uh, Chase, uh, Demlo stressed that we need a media infrastructure that is held accountable, end quote. We do not coordinate with other entities when making content moderations decision. And we independently evaluate content in line with the Twitter rules, a spokesperson for Twitter wrote in a statement to The Intercept. So this, this just goes on and on and on again. But the key takeaways here are through DHS shuttered its con- uh, controversial disinformation board. A strategic document reveals the underlying work was always ongoing. The Department of Homeland Security planned to target inaccurate information on the origins of the COVID-19 pandemic and the efficacy of the COVID-19 vaccines, racial justice, the U.S. 
U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan and the nature of U.S. support to Ukraine. Those were all on the table. And then Facebook created a special portal for DHS and government partners to report disinformation directly to the platform. So we throw around the word collusion. If you want to see real collusion, well, here it is right in front of you. And again, the target really here is you and me and us. The inclusion of the 2021 U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan is particularly noteworthy, they say, given the House Republicans, should they take the majority in the midterms, have vowed to investigate that. This makes Benghazi look like a much smaller issue, said Mike Johnson, a member of the Armed Services Committee. Finding answers will be a top priority. How de- how disinformation is defined by the government has not clearly been articulated. Well, of course, of course not. <laughs> Here, let me try to articulate it. Anything that they don't agree with, how about that? So did you read this whole thing, Paul, or you saw it like I did? No, I I, uh, I got through about 45% of it uh, earlier today. I did jump around because I was jammed up all day, but I did, like, skim through most of it. I, I have it bookmarked. I have every intention of reading it before bed tonight. And as the author closes by saying, the inherently subjective nature of what constitutes disinformation provides a broad opening for the Department of Homeland Security officials to make politically motivated determinations about what constitutes dangerous speech. It's frightening. Yeah. If you don't if you don't absorb the full gravity of this story, well our audience does, but the people who don't understand the full gravity of this that nobody can be the arbiter of of your truth or your free speech. You cannot you like I hear people, there are even people on the right who will say that people who say this should be traitors and they should be locked up. That just is bad. Nobody gets to decide what you believe or say. Right. I mean, if if you're if you're discussing your beliefs, if I don't if you're if you think it's a flat earth, go ahead. Have your have your conversation with your wacko friends. It's none of my business. It doesn't hurt me. Yeah. But, but if I'm told <laughs> I can't say it, who who made you the guardian guardian of good taste and 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 your version of the truth? So, so no one gets to do that, and it's psychotic. I, I, I get frustrated when these – I know people who are full-blown, front, full-frontal neocons still. Still believe the Bush family were, were, were wonderful patriots to this country. I don't tell them to shut up. I just walk away and I ignore them because I know what they were. You know, and, and God, you want to believe what you want to believe. Go right ahead, but I'm never letting my ideology own me ever again. Halloween. Glad you're in. More to do. Sports and news coming up.
Studio 6B on a uh, Monday night. Last time we went through a recession, there were stocks that literally went to zero. Washington Mutual, Lehman Brothers, Chrysler, multiple blue chip stops. Stocks that went to little or no value almost overnight. Could that happen again? And if it did, are your savings protected? Well, why not own something that's never been valued at zero? That, of course, is gold. Historically, your best hedge against inflation, which is rising like a hockey stick as we speak. We're going to find out if it is still rising, by the way. CPI data coming out no, beginning in November. Fed meeting on Wednesday. The savviest Americans diversify their savings to protect them from downturns in the market, from global instability to increased national debt. Continuing devaluing of the dollar, chances are you're looking for a way to diversify as well. Here's how you get started. Contact Birch Gold Group and find out how owning gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account could help protect your savings. Text America right now to 989898 and Birch Gold will send you a free information kit on diversifying into gold tax-free. In fact, even if you have a 401k or IRA that's underperforming, you can convert that into an IRA in precious metals. So text America to 989898, hedge against inflation, protect your hard-earned money, and get your free information kit today. That's America. Send it to 989898. Text them today. All right, live from Studio 6B, 18 past the hour on a Monday. Let's do some sports. Sports is brought to you by our friend Mike Lindell at MyPillow. MyPillow.com slash LFS6B. And here with that is Slick Rick, Rick Amirati, at Slick Rick Sports on Getter and on Twitter. What's going on, Slick Rick? Monday Night Football update. And what do you know? Out in Cleveland, the Browns have jumped out to not only a 6 nothing lead, an 8 nothing lead because they did the two-point conversion. Nick Chubb with a three-yard trounce into the end zone, and they are up 8-zip. Defensive struggle early on, but Jacoby Brissett has gotten hot, 9-10 for 127 yards. And there's five minutes to go in the second quarter. Plenty of time, but, man, I'm down 11 points already, so can't believe it. You know, Big D, you said all the action was on. Everybody likes Cincinnati, all the pregame and then what do you know boom cleveland comes out and this is what happens so it's still every early. single person on espn picked cincinnati in their in their uh lead up to the game they all went around and gave their final scores everybody had cincinnati by more than three yeah joe burrow not getting it done yet but again like i said five minutes to go in the uh, in the second quarter and uh was harry on the highway out in indiana this weekend because cinch is world's toughest rodeo indianapolis indiana we love the great state of indiana and indiana farmers coliseum bareback for a uh, riding third round performance jacek frost 90 points on three hill rodeo hot and harry that's a one thousand dollar winner <laughs> saddle Bronc riding. Uh, third performance, Jacobs Crawley, 91 points on three hill rodeos. Cotton candy, bull riding. We had Cole Fisher, 86 points on three hill rodeos. Old school. Total payout, $32,720. Small rodeo there. And NASCAR, Ross uh, Chastain's um, bold wall riding move seals title berth. Christopher Bell wins the race. Christopher Bell won his way into NASCAR's championship race, while Ross Chastain used a move more suited for a video game to also advance in Sunday's thrilling regular season finale at Martinsville Speedway. Bell had to win to advance to the final four next week at 
Phoenix Raceway, and he pulled it off to give Joe Gibbs Racing and Toyota one spot in the finale. Bell also won on the Charlotte Motor Speedway Road Course in the final race of the second round of the playoffs, so he is now twice advanced with victories. The final four drivers in the Cup Series winner-take-all finale are Bell, Joey Logano, Chase Elliott, and Chastain, who bumped foe Denny Hamlin from the championship with his spectacular last lap scramble. Chastain pinned his Chevrolet against the outside wall of the 0.526-mile speedway and was sailing at some 70 miles an hour faster than the rest of the field as he went down from 10th to 5th to give Trackhouse Racing its first championship appearance. Chastain credited his video game playing for the dramatic move on the final lap. Oh, I played a lot of NASCAR 2005 on the GameCube with younger brother Chad growing up. He said, you can get away with it. I never knew it would actually work. I mean, I did that when I was 8 years old. I grabbed 5th gear, asked off of 2 on the last lap if we needed it, and we did. I couldn't tell who was leading. I made the choice, grabbed 5th gear down the back, full committed, and basically let go of the wheel, hoping I didn't catch the turn for access gate or something crazy, but I was willing to do it, and he took it home with the win. So, a good, good race, and uh, well, we'll watch the, as Rick to your demise, uh, you your despise the playoffs, uh, NASCAR playoffs, the finale next weekend. So we'll have a, well, I'm going to keep an eye on that and update. And that's it, Big D. That's a wrap in sports for this segment. All right, so Rick, thanks very much. We'll do some more sports before we wrap up the show. Let's do a little more news. And here with that is Paul Nolan. What's going on, Mr. Nolan? Um, a while back, uh, I did a story about a football coach who got fired for praying. I don't know if you guys have heard this, but Coach Joel Kennedy is headed back to high school football field after eight years after he lost his job for praying on the gridiron. Kennedy won his religious liberty case um, before the Supreme Court in June after a long battle. The fight began in 2015 when the Bremerton High School District in Washington State outside of Seattle did not rehire Kennedy after he refused to stop praying on the 50-yard line after games. I mean, talk about what a psycho, huh? Yeah. Man, <laughs> he sounds Out so... Of hand. <laughs> boy, I mean, this is the kind of craziness. I mean, that... <laughs> how, how can he let him get away with this? Uh, so on Tuesday, Kennedy and the Bremerton School District submitted a joint stipulation to a federal district court in Washington agreeing that Kennedy would be reinstated as coach. Kennedy uh, is to be reinstated as uh, to his previous position of assistant coach um, on March 15, 2023. The, uh, the they agreed uh, that Kennedy will be able to pray, so I think uh, it's a cool story and you know good you, you, great story. You know, you know I, I just I, I just can't. I'm sorry I can't wrap my head around it. He's not hurting anyone. He's not offending anyone. If you're offended by it, go be offended and leave us alone. He's not bothered. If I, I guarantee you this, Big D, if he was praying towards Mecca, would anyone say a word? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Did, did he get hired from the same school that fired him? Yeah. Or just another? Well, he school? got his job back. He got his job he his back job at that school. Yeah. Yep. Oh, got, it's, his, it's his, okay, it's his old job. Okay. And I got yeah. another story with a high school team uh, using utilizing the blue flag after the superintendent told them they couldn't run that at a football game. Another crazy thing to do, right, Paul? Coming out with the blue flag yeah. for our PD? Yeah, nuts, right? Really, just crazy. Yeah. It took him eight years. To, uh, maybe I missed Maybe I misunderstood. Yeah, he it. got all the way to the Supreme eight, Court. Got to the oh, Supreme the, Court. The case took eight years. He won the case. Now he's got his job back. Right. So how long did it take him to get his job back from the time the case was over? Um, I believe he'll get it back right, in, right. in March, March of 2023. March. So he's gonna, he just won in June. So about nine months. And what's the hubbub? So, Let's go. Come on. Get yeah. him back on the field. All right. What else is in the news? Um, I, uh, I'm so sorry, guys. My, uh, 
I'm, I apologize. My computer just shut, crashed on me. Um, this stinks. I'm, I apologize, guys. This is uh, so nothing. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, my everything's just froze on me here. That's fine. So I'm sorry. Uh, so I was There's on this morning. Studio. Yeah, I was <laughs> on this morning with um, Ed and Karen, like I said, and one of the things I talked about as we talked about the election was, um, you know, I kind of made the same arguments that we've been talking about here on a nightly basis is that, you know, okay, well, yes, I, you know, I think we're going to have a good night next Tuesday. And what's the final number in the House going to be? I, I don't know, but I think we're probably going to take back the House. Are we going to take back the Senate? Possibly. Maybe it's 5149, maybe it's 5347. But, um, you know, if Kevin McCarthy is going to be the speaker and Mitch McConnell is going to be the leader in the Senate, wh what the hell does it matter what the number is in the Senate? I mean, we know where it's going. Yeah. We know what happens with these people in charge. So I made the case that I'm much more interested in making sure Tudor Dixon wins. I'm much more interested in making sure Lee Zeldin wins. I'm much more interested in making sure Doug Mastriano wins. I'm much more interested in making sure uh, the governor of Florida is going to blow out that uh, loser, Charlie Chris, which he's going to. But these governorships and the state legislatures that the Republicans have a chance to put an absolute uh, death grip on is is way more important and way more interesting to me to be paying attention to next Tuesday night. And it should be to you because that's what's going to affect your life. And those are the people that are the first line to stand up against the tyranny that we're, we are getting from the federal government. So the governorships and the state legislatures um, is where I'll be interested. And we'll talk about that here when we get back. Live from Studio 6B, eight days out from the midterm election on a Monday night. Our Live from Studio 6B. On a Monday night, eight days out from the election, a couple of housekeeping things I want to just go over. Uh, we're going to be off on Thursday of this week for the president's rally that's going to be at 8 o'clock. Uh, I think I'll be joining Ed and Karen at some point for election coverage that night, but with the show itself will be off. We'll be off on Thursday. We'll be off on Monday, the day before the election, uh, because the president has another rally on Monday. So he's got rallies, I believe, Thursday night. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, uh, all four within a span of five days there. So it affects it affects us twice. So Thursday and Monday, we're gonna be off and you'll have um you'll have rally coverage with Ed and Karen and the gang on Thursday and on Monday. So we're gonna be off those two days. So um and then election night will be um well we'll be streaming live on our social media, on Getter, on Facebook. Twitter and any place else we can get a stream up that night, and we're going to just uh, watch what happens. And if you want to join us, you're more than welcome. Of course, Rav will have extensive election coverage, which I would encourage you to lock into as well, and the whole gang. And uh, we may be a part of that at some point, not for long probably, but we'll, we'll dip in if we can. And Ed and Karen will um, anchor all of that. And David Zier and the whole gang will be out there. We'll have people everywhere across this country on all these races on election night. It'll be wall to wall um, for as long as as long as we can go and do it. So that'll be um, 
that'll be exciting on election night, eight nights from tonight. And uh, we'll see which direction the country wants to go. And we'll see how many of the things we've talked about and predicted come true. And we'll see how pissed off people really are. And if we're if this country's if we're going to save this country, or if this country is going to become something that our our parents certainly would never have envisioned, our founders would never have envisioned, and a country that our kids are going to grow up in that is going to be much different from the one we grew up in, and way different than the one our parents grew up in, and a lot of that will be determined next Tuesday night with what happens at the polls, and hopefully we can just turnout has to be spectacular, and if all the polls are even reasonably close to right, we should have a good night, but yep. we'll see what happens. So, uh, And then, of course, the big question is, at least we've talked about, not many other people have talked past Tuesday, but the big question is what really happens even if we do have a good night? And that is the, um, the subject of a piece today in The Blaze entitled... The coming state legislative tsunami. Will Republicans actually capitalize on it? And it says if Republicans adhere to their platform, their coming domination of state governments can put an end to nearly every policy of the Biden administration. Will they use their power or will they squander it? Almost all of the election analysis before and after November 8th will be centered on the number of seats Republicans win in the House and the Senate. But it's really their potential gains in state governments that matter most. We already know the script before it's written. House Republicans will pass some good standalone bills, knowing that they won't pass out of the Senate if it's a split House. And they'll refuse to stand behind those ideas in the budget bills because, well, quote, we don't have 60 votes in the Senate and we don't have the presidency. That's their excuse. But the dirty little secret is that most of those ideas to protect the liberty, security, and values of the citizens can be done at the state level, where Republicans are poised to assume full control in states that hold well over half the country's population. At present, Republicans hold 23 trifectas, where they have the governorship in both chambers of the legislature. Democrats hold 14. And in 13 states, there is divided government. That is already substantial GOP power that has consistently been underutilized. Also, Republicans have 28 governors, while Democrats have only 22. They control both chambers of the legislature in 29 states, with supermajorities, meaning it's veto-proof, in 16 of those 29 states, as compared to the Democrats who only control eight state legislatures with supermajorities. Republicans have 32 state Senate chambers to Democrats 18, and they have 30 state houses to Democrats 18. Nebraska has no lower house, and Alaska's house is under shared control. In total, according to Baltopia, Republicans control 54.1% of the nation's 7,300 legislative seats compared to 44% controlled by Democrats. This is all following the 2020 GOP election loss, quote unquote, and before the impending election victory that is trending towards somewhat of a wave. Republicans have the opportunity to pick up governorships and legislatures around the country. In particular, there is the prospect of acquiring trifecta control in critical swing presidential states while making inroads in some blue states with governorships and or legislative chambers that could 
at a minimum, break some of the few remaining Democrat trifectas. Here's the breakdown. On the negative side, Republicans are poised to lose the governorship in Maryland and Massachusetts, but it won't be much of a setback because Democrats already had veto-proof majorities in both of the state legislative chambers in those states. Also, the Republicans there were extremely liberal anyways. On the positive side, if the current trend holds, Republicans are poised to pick up the governorships in Wisconsin, Nevada, Oregon, and Kansas, and they have momentum in New York, Pennsylvania, Michigan, New Mexico, and Minnesota. Also, if the red wave continues to grow and undecided voters continue to break against the incumbents as the trend is showing, they can still win in Pennsylvania and Maine, where polls currently show the Democrats ahead. In other words, it's almost guaranteed that they will have more than 30 governorships with a chance of collecting 35 to 37 if they run the table. More specifically, by winning the governorships in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Kansas, they automatically would earn four more trifectas because they already have strong control of those legislative bodies. Also, most analysis believe the Republicans already had a chance to capture the Minnesota House. They uh, currently control the Senate and only four seats shy of controlling the House. So now that Scott Jensen appears to be even with Democrat for governor, there is a shocking chance for a GOP trifecta in Minnesota. As such, if Republicans win all five governorships in the aforementioned states with majorities in the legislatures, that would bring them to 28 trifectas. Then it is almost a certainty that in this environment, conservatives will be able to pick up enough seats in the Alaska House to break the rhino sharing agreement and restore the trifecta they always should have had. Finally, it's important to note that Kentucky doesn't hold the governor's election this year, but Republicans already have a veto-proof majority in both houses. Plus, Republicans have a very good chance to grow their majorities in North Carolina to veto-proof status against Democrat Governor Roy Cooper. On paper, that would give them 31 states where they can get legislation enacted into law without Democrat obstacles. So, I mean, we have a real chance here in this election to take control of a lot of what goes on at the state level, these state legislatures, these governorships. And that is where, if you it just, again, take the governor of Florida as an example, what he's done the last four years. He has, if you've lived in Florida, Biden's out of control Marxism has really not affected you when it comes to some of the most important things the shots. Uh, your jobs, weaponization of um, anything COVID-related, the upcoming weaponization that we know is going to happen of these IRS agents, if that stands, unless Republicans can defund it if they get in. He's already made moves to protect citizens from that kind of you know audits and those kind of things. So just take what he's done in Florida and his example, and Republicans should be able to do that in a huge swath of this country. So that's why when people say to me, well, what do you think the number's going to be on Tuesday? I, I don't know that it really all that matters. These are the things that are going to matter. These are the races that are going to matter. Well, I think that, you know what, when it comes to the big races, these big national races, those are the ones that get so much of the attention. So I think they do matter. 
But yeah, like you said, when it comes to the things that affect your life, just ask the people in, in Florida. How how's how's he doing? Are you better off four years ago than you were than you are today? Uh, no, I wasn't better off. Now I am. Um, it, you know, it's it's causing that ripple effect, and we've seen it. We've seen the people, you know, as Lee Zeldin pointed out, that uh, are fleeing New York at an alarming rate because of all the stuff that is happening in these blue states, and people are sick of it. It's affecting their lives. And when, when you get to the point where it's affecting how you live on a day-to-day basis, it becomes, it becomes a local issue. And if they keep seeing the same people perpetrating the same crap against them, finally, hopefully in New York, they're, they're, they're waking up going, you know what, I don't, care if, I don't care if she's got a D next to her name. She stinks. We got to get rid of her. And hopefully that's going to be that's what you're going to see around the country. I know we're seeing we're seeing a surprising race in Oregon of all places, Oregon, where could where the governorship could go to a Republican, which is which is crazy when you when you think about if you would have said that last year, everybody would have went, yeah, that's not going to happen. Now it's on the verge of happening. Republicans could end up with 31 trifectas where they control all three branches of the state government, 35 governorships and 34 states with both chambers of the legislature. I mean, that is that is tremendous, tremendous shield against what goes on in Washington for the people that live in those states. And I'll tell you this, if Lee Zeldin wins in New York, people in New York are gonna be way more affected by that race than any other race that's going on, or whatever the numbers are in Congress or in the Senate down in Washington. So, I mean, if Tudor Dixon wins in Michigan, Michiganders are going to be way more interested and, and way more ha- – they're going to be – they're going to applaud that race way more than they're going to applaud, you know, who goes to the Senate to represent them. You know, it looks like in, in, in Georgia, it looks like Brian Kemp's going to end up really having a pretty easy time with, uh, with the, the, the governor now, Stacey Abrams. You mean president of the, uh, of the universe? Yeah. I mean, that's going to affect people in Georgia way more than, um, I mean, I want a Herschel Walker to win, of course. But uh, Brian Kemp is your backstop to tyranny out of Washington. Ron DeSantis is your backstop from tyranny out of Washington. Lee Zeldin will be your backstop from tyranny out of Washington and your COVID shots and everything else that's going to get pushed. Think about the difference in New York. We'll see if they have Lee Zeldin and if Kathy Hochul's here for four more years. Yeah. And she's actually elected this time. And think about the difference in the quality of life the people in Arizona are going to have when Carrie Lake comes in. Yes, and we want Blake Masters to win. Absolutely. It's a big race. We want that to control the Senate. But Carrie Lake's going to have a way bigger effect on your life than Blake Masters is going to. So, I mean, Republicans are really in a position here to take, to take, the, take a stronghold on um, on. Stepping in between you and Joe Biden's administration on Tuesday, and we've 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 got to get the turnout turnout out next Tuesday and overwhelm these polls and these races, especially these governorships. We've got to take each and every one of them. So yeah, and and don't listen to the mainstream media. You know the yeah. Paul Pelosi thing is is hey everybody's evil on the right. Don't believe it.
this premiere on a Halloween Monday night. Glad you're in. Paul Gold's been doing the news. Rick Camerati's been doing sports. Rick Delgado's here as well. Uh, again, we'll be off on um, Thursday for the president. We'll be off on Monday, the day before the election. Election night will be uh, streaming, uh, obviously, as the election, as the numbers come in. Um, let's do some sports, though, before we wrap it up. And I got one more thing I want to try to get to, speaking of the election, but let's do some sports. Sports is brought to you by our friend Mike Lindell and MyPillow, MyPillow.com. Uh, use our code LFS6B at checkout when you shop at MyPillow.com or MyStore.com, which has got great stuff. It's got the coffee, got other good stuff. MyStore.com works at both for 10 to 60% off. Slick Rick, what's going on in sports? All right, Big D, we'll update on that Monday night football game at the half. Cincinnati trailing Cleveland 11 zip. I don't know what's going on in Cleveland, but the Browns are looking good tonight. They were three point underdogs. They're up by 11. So we'll see what the second half brings. But right now, if you have the under, you're looking good. And uh, if you have the Browns, you're looking really good. So thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> you like the Browns tonight, Big D. I think you would have taken that pick if we bet straight up, you know, head to head. And uh, I picked Cincinnati. I got on the bandwagon, and well, the wheels are falling off. And uh, Michigan defensive back, Iman. Green to press charges after tunnel attack. This is on Larry Brown Sports. Happened over the weekend. Michigan defensive back Gamon Green intends to press charges against the Michigan State players involved in Saturday's tunnel fight. According to Pat Ford of SI Sports Illustrated, Green retained attorney Tom Mars to file charges and recoup financial damages against the Michigan State State players involved. Mars said in a statement that the Spartan players involved would feel the full wrath of the law. Green has retained noted attorney Tom Mars to assist in the charge. And Green was the Michigan player involved in the helmet swinging portion of the incident. Green's father told Tom Varahan of ESPN that Green was struck in the face, back, and shoulder. Green was one of two Michigan players who were reportedly injured in the tunnel incident. Michigan State has suspended four members of the team as a result of the fight. I don't know. This is the second time they've had a run-in in that tunnel uh, with you know teams exiting together. And uh, really, I saw the video. You know, it definitely out of, out of proportion. But uh, you know, it's just I, I, to me. It looked like a couple of guys roughing up, but there was like 10 Michigan uh, State players to one Michigan Wolverine, so not looking good. Don't know the whole story. I'm sure, you know, the old saying, takes two to tango, but really crazy. And uh, California high school football players defy ban, wave thin blue line flag. This is Ethan Lekkemen of uh, Breitbart. Players on the Saugus high school football team were seen flying the thin blue line flag once again Friday night in defiance of a ban imposed by a woke superintendent, according to the San Clarita Valley Signal. Last month, William S. Hart Union High School District Superintendent Mike Coleman barred the football team, nicknamed the Centurions, from flying the pro, the pro law enforcement flag before games, implying that it was controversial, Paul. Brightwood Bart News reported that at the time. Coleman said in a public statement, just three short days ago, I became aware of concern about this symbol being flown at the August High School football games, despite emails from immediate action and threats of consequences if certain steps weren't taken without a specific timeline. We determined to take our time to understand the issue uh, accurately and respond thoughtfully. He then went on to say the team's coach, Jason Bourne, was also behind the decision to stop carrying the flag. Um, it occurred that it's possible that some players on the team might not be entirely enthusiastic about a symbol that is being used to represent the entire team. Members of the community were outraged by the school's decision given the history at Saugus High School involving heroic police officers. In 2019, after a government opened fire in Inside the school, law enforcement officials who were dropping their children off at the time rushed inside the school to stop the attack. Two people were fatally shot, with three others were injured during the tragic incident back when NBC News 
who's reported that. So I believe personally this is a slap in the face of those who came running towards danger at Sorgas High School District Board President Joe Messina said regarding the superintendent coach's decision via the LA Times. However, Friday night, they did raise the flag in spite of the so-called ban. They didn't care. So, I mean, when you hear that story, it just blows your mind, especially what happened in that school. I, it, Paul, very similar to your story with this coach, you know, being uh, taken off the team and take, you know, given, being suspended because of praying. Crazy. 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 We're upside, we live in a bizarre world. Yeah. Enough said, Big D. That's a wrap. Back to you. All right, so Greg, thanks very much. Um, any other news, Paul Nolan, you want to hit before yeah, we end the show? Yeah, there's two things I got jammed up with my, uh, my brand new iPad, by the way. Um, i just give you the quick hits on it. Um, in Brazil, the election, uh, Lulu da Silva wins the presidency as national, as the nation, I'm sorry, swings left. Will Bullis, uh, Bolsonaro accept the results? Um, I'm sure that was quick. all on the up and up, right? Yeah, I mean, this is another... <laughs> Disaster. I don't want to get too far into it, but this guy is a World Economic Forum puppet. He's been financed by Klaus Schwab, the kind of money he's had behind him. I mean, this is just about instilling the banking elite where they want him. And, uh, you know, it's just, a, a you know, really all I wanted to get to. I, I just thought it was important to mention that one. And also Proud Patriot and Mother Maga, I will get to your story tomorrow night. Okay, was there another story you said you had two? Yeah, no, I'll do the other one tomorrow night because it's uh, it's a little too long. Okay. Um, so the other, the other thing I wanted to get to before we wrap it up is this story out of Newsweek today. And, of course, this is going to be a big part of next Tuesday, too. And, of course, the, the part that just makes me shake your head is the way the, the media char- characterizes it. And that, of course, is the fact that um, black voters are shifting right is the title of this opinion piece in Newsweek, and the left is losing it. And they talk about how the media has been characterizing this shift. Of course, we saw it a little bit in 2020 with President Trump. We saw his contract with, uh, what was what was President Trump's contract called, Paul? Remember he did the contract with, a, what was it? Uh, oh, um. Yeah, you know oh what I'm talking God. about, right? Yeah. Um, so they talk about this. And they say, you know, election wow, day is a week with, away. With ice, tea, yeah. I mean, ice cube, and he. I can't. Yeah, I can't remember what it was called. But um, they say the the election's a week away. The left is freaking out about losses among minority voters, such as blacks, once a reliable base of support for the Democratic Party. The signs of the freakouts are everywhere, but especially in the desperate, wacky, and downright insulting tactics that the media is uh, employing. Let's start with the insulting MSNBC host Tiffany Cross slammed Republican National Committee slate of diverse Republican congressional candidates saying, this is her quote, listen to this, faces of color do not always equate to voices of color, she said. Good God. Then she, then, yeah, exactly. Good God. Then she tokenized minority Republicans, um, Tim Scott. Byron Donald, who, by the way, is fantastic. Uh, Mara Flores, who's fantastic. Burgess Owens, who's fantastic. And if you've listened to any one of those people talk, they're about the farthest thing from just, um, I mean, free thinkers think for themselves, smart, articulate. Liberal elites often dismiss conservative minority candidates to avoid real debate. Well, that's exactly right. Hosts like Tiffany Cross, elected officials and uh, political pundits don't want minority voters to know 
that there are good reasons to consider non-liberal candidates. So this is a Newsweek, and it's really a good read. It's not long. And it's just another thing that I'll be anxious to see what the numbers look like on Tuesday on some of the exit polling and um, some of the final numbers as it breaks against demographics to just see this continued push that the Democrat Party thinks that they just own these voting bases and that they can never vote in any other way other than for them. Which sounds kind of racist, wouldn't you say? We bet. Well, for the party of Jim Crow and the party of slavery, well, in the party of if you don't know if you're going to vote for me or Trump, you ain't black. I think it probably fits the bill. Just amazing. The, the hypocrisy that comes from the left. They think they own, they think they own people. Isn't that yeah. weird? Oh, oh, the irony. <laughs> exactly. It's steeped yeah. in it. That's exactly right. So, All right, as always, we salute our military active and active police, firefighters, first responders, CMTs, everybody on the front lines. Thanks, guys, on the show. Thanks, G. Thanks, Fran. Most of all, thank you, the live from Studio 6B audience. Again, we're off Thursday. We're off Monday. We'll see you tomorrow, Wednesday and Friday. And then we'll be ready for the big election night on Tuesday. Uh, But we'll see you tomorrow night right here live from Studio 6B.